From the Spec Network, this is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better Android developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Kaushik. 2020 is kicking along, moving along just fine. How's it going for you? Pretty good, pretty good. 2020 is, uh, I finally got my... 2020 blog post out <laughs> some time around Feb. Usually people tend to write these pretty early on, but I don't know, after a certain point when I couldn't hit like, you know, Jan 1st, I realized, you know what, it doesn't matter. And this yeah. year I really took it. So I kind of released it on Feb, the first week of Feb, but that was good. That was good. I feel, you know, you got to take life as it comes. What does your blog post talk about? Just a year in review or, or what is it? It's So that was another interesting thing. Um, typically when folks write these posts, they either write it as a year in review kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it's more like a transition. So I write both how the year went and what my, you know, in quotes, new year resolutions are going to be. Mm-hmm. Just like as I try to keep like specific goals that I'd like to hit for the new year and what happened in the past, I try to review based on, you know, what I've written. Because it is very, I've noticed that it is a good, it has worked out pretty well for me in the past when I explicitly state to the world what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Because then I don't have an excuse, right? It's like if you declare it outside, then it's almost like you're forcing yourself to fall, uh, to hold to those commitments. Publicly accountable. Publicly accountable. There we go. Uh, so this year I basically wrote a very similar post. And I made it a little different this year where I kind of explicitly, I like to usually keep it into three sections. Like, uh, well, this year I kept, I realized that I like to keep it in three sections. One is the, the top is a recap for how the year went. 2020 is like, you know, what I plan to do. The ne- I mean, the next section is my goals for the next year. So what I plan to do in 2020 mm-hmm. and just in the end I throw in my land random learnings from the year because what I do is over the year I try to pick uh, quotes that I've like run across that I thought were interesting if I ran into any music or movies uh, I didn't do that good a job of like documenting these I did but then because as you know I changed my note taking tool, <laughs> I kind of lost some of those stuff but mm-hmm. I, I usually try to that's how I try to section it I think at one point when we talked before, you said you were not too big a fan of New Year resolutions, right? Or no, are you are you ambivalent towards the whole concept? Yeah, I'm not really huge on New Year's resolutions because um, a lot of people just, in my opinion, they use it as an excuse to say, well, I'll just do that at the beginning of the year. Like, let's say it's like December 16th, mm. right? Like, I'll just start it in two weeks. Like, why not start now? Like, okay, like, for example, let's say you totally screwed the pooch on, you know, as it figuratively of um <laughs> with your diet at the beginning mm. of january and you're just like wow i totally screwed that up like okay start over like go now just mm. start now um we all make mistakes you ha- like life is never like a continual schedule of like all right you can only do this here and here and here we have just arbitrarily attached time frames to the number of times that we go around the sun and even then if you look at like you know, leap years, like it's not even exact. Like we have to make adjustments along the way. So even time, mm. our, our, our concept of time is adjusted. Um, so it's just one of those things, like I just feel like if you have something you want to do, then just, uh, then just do it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, li- I like that. I, I think you're way more disciplined in your thinking. <laughs> uh, and it is right. I think there is an aspect of it where if you don't get it, if you tend to fall, if you tend to fail early on, you mm-hmm. tend to almost abandon ship altogether, right? Yeah. That's very common. I mean, the same thing happens when people stop, uh, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to drink as much or I'm, I'm going to stop eating candy or I'm not going to eat ice cream. And then they slip up and, or I'm going to be on a diet this week. And then on Monday, they go out and they mess up and they have pizza Monday night because uh, of a, <laughs> a, a work outing. And they're like, well, I already messed up Monday. I might as well just go ahead and keep eating Tuesday or something like that. Like, that's just, you know, you have to, you do have to be more disciplined and say, hey, you know what? I, you know, made a mistake last night and I ate something I shouldn't have or whatever. And, uh, I'm just going to start over tomorrow or the same thing. Like, Hey, I didn't go to the gym today. Uh, that's fine. I'll just go to the gym tonight or I'll go tomorrow. And you just kind of have to readjust with it. Um, I think new year's resolutions are, can be good if you can stick to them. I just feel that too many people don't stick to them. You know what I mean? Mm. No, that's entirely fair. It was interesting this time I made it a little different because it was like the reverse of what you said. I almost gave myself the opportunity to not fail because uh-huh. I split it into like specific goals because typically in the past I did the exact same thing that you mentioned, right? I was like, oh, I got to go to the gym more. Oh, I got to do X more. I got to, you know, mm-hmm. eat more healthy or that kind of stuff or sleep more, which, you know, in all fairness, like served as a reminder as I went through the year to like improve those things. But this time I almost made it more specific, right? Like, for example, I wanted to be writing more blog posts. So yeah. then I said, you know, I got to give myself a specific goal. So write 24 blog posts, mm-hmm. So you know. If I didn't write my first blog for blog post like the first month, it, that's fine. Like you know, I can I can make up. It just means I'll have to make up. Mm-hmm. You are right in that. You know, if I let it go for too long, uh, you know, if I'm in month six of the year and I have to catch up, then that makes it worse. And then yeah, by the time month ten, if I've done nothing, then at that point it's a complete fail, right? Yeah. And it, but that's where the publicly accountable thing helps because then I'm like, oh, okay. I basically got jack done last year. Exactly. I think one of the things that a lot of people suffer from, and I know I've suffered with this early, I mean, many times, is setting lofty goals that are almost too hard to accomplish because the the required change in your life is so significant that it's just <laughs> a complete shock and, and just disrupts your entire day-to-day life. and And so... You know, you might say, hey, I want to get healthy and I'm going to work out, you know, I want to work out six days a week and I'm going to eat healthy every single day. And I'm also going to read uh, one book a week. Like if you start looking at all these things, like you're, that's a completely different life. <laughs> so like, in my opinion, one of the best ways to go about like long-term change is like small, you know, just like we develop software, it's iteratively. It's like, okay, mm. what can I do that's going to help get me on the right path? And I kind of course correct me, like steering a big ship in the new direction. Like instead of going to the gym seven days a week, I'm going to aim for two because I don't go at all. I'm going to aim for two. And then uh, in six months or three months, I'm going to reevaluate and try to go to three. And instead of eating healthy three meals a day, like I'm going to try to eat a set one salad a day or a salad every other day and slowly iteratively move that way. And I think one of the best concepts I learned this from was James Altucher and his concept of just being 1% better than yesterday. And if you compound that over time, like Mm -hmm. 1% is not that much, but over the course of a year, like that's a lot, like you're, you're, you're completely different life. So if you can keep that in mind, that's, uh, for me, that's worked great. And, uh, that's something I just try to do because it works for me. 
I, I, I like the idea. Totally off topic, but um, you had mentioned something to me um, over chat regarding this time problem that, to tell you the truth, I was not aware of. Can you fill mm -hmm. me in on what it is and the listeners? For sure. So typically in programming, there have been times where certain years have caused some problems, right? Yeah. With the way we write programs and the way things function. So there is the most common one, which we like maybe go through uh, in a bit is the year 2K problem, right? Y2K. Yeah. So year 2000 for different reasons caused like a lot of havoc or at least you know, presumably caused a lot of havoc uh, in the minds of a lot of programmers. And we'll explain what it is and why. There's also, like, did you know there's also one coming up where many suspect that that could be a problem? It's called the year 2038 or, you know, 2038, depending on how you pronounce that. There's a year 2038 problem. I had no idea till you actually sent me this. I was like, what is this thing? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because I think both these problems have to do essentially with the root cause is the same where basically the storage, the memory storage chosen uh, in order to accommodate these two years is basically in one way or the other failing, right? Yeah. So maybe we should go through like quickly what it is. So year 2000 was like a kind of, well, sort of straightforward. You know, the funny thing with Y2K, we, I mean, did you remember the Y2K uh well, fiasco when it happened where everyone's like oh my god y2k the yeah. world might end oh was, this uh, might happen <laughs> i was just getting into web development at the time and mm -hmm. i uh you know i had some i had some freelance clients but i during the day i was a stockbroker so i worked at charles schwab and um oh wow i remember this very vividly i had to work that day and we is were is there not anything you haven't done you've been like a race car driver you've been a stockbroker you're a programmer you've been like the member of a band and i'm not even like joking you have basically been all of these things right i'm like 74 years old <laughs> <laughs> there's an amazing show called dracula on netflix that i recommend yeah, oh, yeah? you get oh, a sense cool. of yeah it's basically yeah yeah, you should definitely watch it. He's probably your kid or something. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. But I remember showing up to work that day. One, I mean, heck, I remember going to bed that night. Everyone's wondering, like, is the world going to end? Like, it was. Some people were just freaked out about it. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I remember that day very vividly. Do you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, it was also like very early in the days of my programming career. Uh, and the funny thing to me is, I was like, oh, it's such a simple problem. I understand the problem. Uh, why is this such a, you know, why why was this such a big deal? Why mm -hmm. didn't people just like, you know, change it? It seems so simple. Maybe we should go through what yeah. the what, what is. Like. Let's talk about what is Y2K. Yeah. So the, the crux of the issue was typically the way people would represent dates, say, you know, January 1st to uh, 1950, 1955, right? The way people would represent this date was 01... 0195, right? Uh, sorry, oh, sorry. Uh, I, the example I gave was 54. So 010154, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Uh, essentially, if you had 1954, you would chop off the leading two numbers. So you would remove 19. And this was great because, like, you know, when they probably started this in the 1900s, they were like, yeah, great. Like, you know, we don't have any problems. We can go all the way till 2000 and we'll deal with, deal with it when we get there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, at the time, people didn't expect this whole computer science thing to like, you know, take off and have programs or like most people who wrote programs at 
uh, you know, in in that year, didn't really expect this to, you know, to their software programs to last that long or like reach mm-hmm. all the way uh, to the year 2000. Um, there was, I'm trying to see if I can pull it. I'll, I'll try to pull it out. Like, you know, as we go, there was this quote by Greenspan on Greenspan and he mentioned, uh, oh, there we go. There it is. Uh, I'm one of the culprits who created this problem. I used to write those programs back in the 1960s and 1970s and was proud of the fact that I was able to squeeze a few elements of space out mm-hmm. of my program by not having to put a one nine before the year. Yeah. Back then, it was very important. We used to spend a lot of time running through various mathematical exercises before we started to write our program so that they could be very clearly delimited with respect to space and the use of capacity. It never entered our minds that these programs would have lasted more than a few years. As a consequence, they are very poorly documented. Mm -hmm. If I were to go back and look at some of the programs I wrote 30 years ago, I would have one terribly difficult, I would have one terribly difficult time working my way through step by step. Yeah. Man, I feel like that about the programs I wrote like two years back. <laughs> yeah, but it goes to show like how much back mm-hmm. then, I mean, this is like punch card era when exactly. yeah. saving mm-hmm. that much space, like just two characters or whatever what was represented down at the low level, mm-hmm. it, it was very important. I mean, that's, and so that was the yeah. decision they made. And like he said, and, and we've said, is that they didn't know that some of these programs they're going to be writing are like going to be running around still at, at you know, mm-hmm. at 2000. It's like, you don't even think about it. And it's possible now that we're writing software that could be around for a hundred or hundreds of years that we don't even contemplate like going, oh, let's hit the API a hundred times. And like, oh, that's a real bad thing for whatever reason, you know? Right. And I think you hit it right at the crux, right? Because my question at the time of Y2K is, oh, this is such a stupid problem. Why don't you just put two more digits and be done with it? And, you know, let's all move on. <laughs> you know, in our lives. But obviously, I did not have the context that in that, you know, I, I again, I remember reading this, like, probably in the Wikipedia article, storage and memory was really expensive, mm-hmm. in, you know, back in the yeah. day. Like, literally, I think the ratio was you would pay a dollar per bit. That's mm-hmm. B-I-T bit, right? And if you think about that, like, that's a lot of money, right? At least at the time, with how expensive equipment was, it's crazy, you know? So there was a need to like really compact this stuff. It wasn't done out of like, you know, uh, this esoteric or, you know, proud programmer ego or something where I was like, oh, I can make this thing in the most like few number of lines of code and like few stores in space. There was a genuine need at the time to be able to shrink and compress all of this into yeah. as small a, uh, as small a data structure as possible. So that was Y2K. So at the time, what happened is I remember as we got closer to 2000, people started to freak out because they were like, wait, what happens up after January 31st, uh, sorry, December 31st, 1999, right? Because it flips. And if you only used two digits to represent, you would be going back to 1900, mm-hmm. right? Yep, Exactly. The computers had no idea if it, the programs were like, I don't know if this is a 1900 or if we're in 2000. And so that could create what were known as event horizon problems inside of programs, which means they like, who knows what would happen? Like the, the crash could, all different kinds of things could happen. Absolutely. Because that was the issue, right? I think the whole problem was the unpredictability of what would yeah. happen because that's how you would calculate date time, right? And that's yeah. pretty important, you would think, in most programs. And if that fundamental concept is broken where you're not reliably able to tell dates, you can't do date-time arithmetic, <laughs> you know, that could be pretty, like, problematic. 
Yeah. So when this, you know, when this, they were starting to realize this in the mid nineties and the British standards Institute, which is known as the BSI came up with, um, four rules for conforming to year 2000. I'll just read them here. Uh, the number one is no valid date will cause any interruption in operations. Kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Number two, date-based functionality must behave consistently for dates prior to, during, and after year 2000. Makes sense. Number three, in, in, in all interfaces and in all storage, the century must be unambiguous, either specified or calculable by an algorithm, which kind of gets us to the 1970-2038 thing. And a... 2000 a year 2000 must be recognized as a leap year because we start getting into leap year problems and we don't even get into time zone oh, things that's right i remember that was the other big so i think in <laughs> in year 2000 was the time i realized how like leap year calculation was actually done yeah that was the funny thing right because typically going at least i don't know how it was for you uh but for me, growing up, the easy way to tell if the year is a leap year or not is you if it's if it's divisible by four, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and then there was like, oh no, it's not actually four; it's like a hundred or something. But I think eventually, like the right math was every year that's divisible by the number four hundred is truly a, la- a leap year, yes. right? If it's not divisible by four hundred, not four or not hundred, but four hundred. Uh, only then would it be a leap year, right? And this obviously becomes important again because, and you actually, like when we started this out, you mentioned something, right? It's like time is completely arbitrary, like, and we've made this up and we make these adjustments so that, you know, it self-corrects <laughs> itself. Yeah. Uh, but eventually the problem always boiled down to like, can you make a proper assumptions, right? Like if Feb should have 28 days or 29 or how many ever days mm-hmm. it needs to have, it's important to know if a year is a leap year or not because all your calculation, your date, time, arithmetic, again, would go wrong if you didn't get it precisely down. Yeah, right? and so for those of you that are, are what, like, this kind of brings up a, a big question of like, well, why do we have leap years? And then we start getting into all kinds of like planet science and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, as programmers, we kind of have to think about these things when we're dealing with a lot of time stuff. But in the show notes, uh, I'm not going to get into it here. I'll put a link to uh, the leap year explained by Neil deGrasse. Neil, how do you say it's like Neil deGrasse Tyson? I forget. Yeah, you, um, you, I don't think I can do a better job than you there. Yeah. So he's, you know, the was it a physicist or something, astrophysicist yeah, he's or whatever? The popular, famous, yeah, astrophysicist. But he has yeah. like a three minute YouTube video where he explains like why leap years are here, what they are, when they're calculated. And it wasn't until I saw that video a few years back where I was just like, oh, this all makes sense. It's basically because we can't equally divisible the time around the sun. And he explains it really succinctly. So I'll add that to show notes. Won't get into it until now. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't seen his video on that. I'm excited to see this as well. So what is this 2038 problem? We Now that we know what the <laughs> 2000, Y2K problem is. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, just like before we move to 2038, right? Like the other question I had is like, did it actually cause a problem? Because now we're in obviously 2020, right? 20 years after the Y2K problem, did it cause problems? And Wikipedia has like uh, the documented errors, so we we won't go through. But it actually did cause some problems because mm-hmm. you know the funny ones I picked out is like taxi meters in Singapore apparently stopped working, <laughs> while in Sweden incorrect taxi fares were given. And it also got like pretty like you know scary because in Japan apparently an alarm sounded at a nuclear power plant at oh, two man. minutes after midnight. So you know some of the stuff is like not to be taken like you know too casually uh and i I remember there was like some other really 
weird ones where like you know uh, there were some that were pretty serious because hospitals made the wrong calculation like in certain like abortions or something because like they got the date wrong is reading some of that stuff was like pretty scary but anyway it there were actual problems like this isn't just a hypothetical thing that we just uh, you know in california we have this saying you know because rain it doesn't rain that often like even if it's a mild sort of like rain like you know we get a few centimeters of rainfall everyone like freaks out here because they're like oh my god it's like the worst storm that's happened in like 1000 years that was not the case like there were actually genuine problems but for the most part i think a lot of people did react well to y2k yeah and there's actually just to cap this off here we're still dealing with errors from this there was an error that occurred january 1st 2020 related to y2k and that was Damn. some oh, of the yeah. parking meters in new york city uh basically stopped refu- they started refusing uh credit card payments because some of the software that was used on them was using a date windowing basically using two digits to calculate dates and it was using the wrong uh the wrong year what that's yeah. crazy oh yeah, so meters. i guess like the problem still like plagues us in some way yeah. so all right but sorry yeah you asked about the year 2038 problem the reason i brought this up is because this is interesting it's as it's in the same vein but it's actually a completely different problem mm-hmm. so as we know uh typically when we're working with unix systems right and like date in general with most of these computer software it date uh, if typically we use assigned 32 bit integer to represent time right and the way time works is we and yeah this is like a very interesting topic in itself but we basically uh, represent time as the number of seconds elapsed since you know i think it's 12 midnight utc of jan 1st 1970 right and there's like a lot to like break out. yeah there's like just yeah the epoch exactly right so a since time elapsed since the epoch right and typically if you've dealt with anything to do with date time and time zones even in android you would definitely have dealt with this problem right because if you do two time or you uh, dot two time that is and you convert a date object to like milliseconds or you want to do the math uh, mm-hmm. typically you would drop into using signed 32 bit integers right mm-hmm. because that's what is used by default uh and the unix system uses signed 32 bit integers as well mm-hmm. the problem is <laughs> the max that uh the ma- the maximum number that can be held by uh, a signed 32 bit integer is uh, if yeah for computer science nerds it's 2 power 31 minus 1 because it's signed so you don't you don't get all those 30, 32 bits like one of those bits is taken away and yeah obviously the max number is 2 power 31 minus mm-hmm. 1 uh, and that happens to be uh i don't think i can get this right but it, it, it's 2147 or like you know 2 billion 147 million mm-hmm. 483647 seconds yep. mm-hmm. right and interesting the number of seconds that elapsed after january 1st 1970 yes a number of, if you take that many seconds which is the max that's represented by a signed 32 bit integer it basically crosses the threshold after 1970 so in year 2038 we're basically going to like you know have like an overflow, uh, an overflow. uh so that like yeah this, i didn't actually even think about it but i think i ran across it somewhere while reading and i was like oh wait what why would that be a problem and then i was like oh this is interesting uh 
so obviously there were like multiple ways to solve this like you know you can i think a lot of machines moved to like a 64 bit sort of uh, architecture so i guess that like helps that obviously don't use a signed 32 bit integer mm-hmm. mostly i think the correction is if you switch to 64 bit at that point because again my thinking was like is this always going to be a problem like why is this such a big problem right because why can't we just pick a big enough data structure that would just alleviate this problem and we don't even have to worry about it ever mm-hmm. uh, but obviously again you know it's the same thing there is a constraint in time and space uh, it's the same thing i think maybe i tweeted it out because you know how at one point we like it was google or someone ran into this problem with ids with you know uh, monotonically increasing ids mm-hmm. you you know at some point you're going to reach like the maximum threshold right and given if you have something that just has a huge number of counts i think like google if you just take the number of search results or like you know the number of search hits that number is going to increase pretty damn fast right mm-hmm. uh so i think they also ran into something similar where they had to change the way that they yeah use their ids it's kind of a, it's in the same vein where you're like hey can we not use something that just doesn't ha- is isn't limited by space i'm I, i'm trying to find it here on the page but basically the idea is if you move to 64 bit essentially we are not going to hit this for a very very long time so it isn't mm-hmm. like just double of 32 it's actually like way longer yeah and I, yeah basically it'll take we're not even sure like the galaxy will be alive at that point so <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah here using a signed 64 bit value introduces a new wrap around date that is over 20 times greater than the estimated age of the universe of the universe so it's approximately 292 billion years from now uh, uh, we'll be all right by then yeah so yeah we got plenty of time this, to figure it out then <laughs> yeah this isn't from like you know a 19 uh 1900 to 2000 problem this is like way way past that so i think we should be good But the funny thing with epochs uh, you know and the, uh, this is something that I think the last time around when I was reading up on this uh, I realized did you know why they picked 1970 no like, why did they do that I actually don't know myself <laughs> it was just I think it's like totally arbitrary the idea is they just needed to pick well I don't think it was entirely arbitrary but they needed to pick because my my thinking was why don't you just start from 1900 right like make a nice yeah. and round or like why don't you start from uh you know from the start of time 000 obviously that i think would have helped but anyway why what is so significant about 1970 i don't think there was anything necessarily auspicious or significant about 1970 but they wanted to pick probably a date that was further along so then again you could increase how far ahead you could go to right mm-hmm. so i think uh, maybe that was the idea and also like doing yeah i i would guess that's the idea And the other funny thing is that epoch there isn't just one epoch like you know we think traditionally because unix is so popular uh, and like that's like mostly the operating system that used in most servers and other mm-hmm. like uh, utilities we tend to think that 19 like that is the epoch there are actually multiple epochs there are yeah yeah so like and depending on i can't remember some of the others but yeah they chose again arbitrary dates right and those tend to be epochs for those systems so there wasn't anything really significant my only yeah the only thing i could like rational like the only rational i could come up with is they wanted something that was significantly ahead uh and then you know that would just like give them some leeway to use that so what do we like as developers what can we do to make sure that our 
our applications don't suffer from this if maybe we're android developers do we use something like jota time or does this handle for us or do we do you think we have to calculate this ourselves or it seems like something that we should be handling instead of libraries that we use or do you have any thoughts on that or any experience nothing much i mean i, I didn't necessarily I, I would think the idea is it would depend on how you store your dates like if you mm -hmm. are using a sign if you look at yeah what we use and if it's a signed 32 bit integer like yeah you're in trouble right yeah uh, and again there are like different strategies you can like migrate from using a signed 32 bit to you know a signed 64 bit that's what most people recommend mm -hmm. typically i think those are you know at least as programmers like the programs we write those are easy enough to implement but I know because I, I I don't remember where I read this or maybe I heard from like one of my colleagues at Instacart. When you move giant ginormous databases and systems, it isn't that easy, right? Like even uh, like updating your architecture. I think Mac OS just recently now made 64-bit uh, like you know uh, mandatory. So I think with Catalina, yeah. it's mandatory. Like all your 32-bit programs stop working, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So you know that's. As you upgrade your architecture, I suppose that would help. And I mean, that might take care of some of the problems. But yeah, I, it's, well, hey, man, we got like another 18 years to think about the solution. So. Well, I think some, well, there's a lot of, there's, um, there are some applications that from research I've done before we hopped on the call that mm -hmm. some have already kind of run into the situation because perhaps you're dealing with years in the future um, to for whatever reason, whatever the program is. So there are some folks who have run into this. Um, so it's something you probably do want to think about if you're using something like Jota Time, if you're in Java or Android, or if you're using Moment.js, if you're in JavaScript or Ruby or whatever, check your date library, see if it's handling 2038, see how you're storing your dates. Uh, it's just something I think that's important to think about as developers going forward, uh, because it's just going to set you up for the future so you're not running into like another Y2K-like issue. Um, and then we don't have like Office Space 2038. <laughs> so that would be a good movie. Oh yeah, that definitely would be very Red interesting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Anything else you wanted to throw in there as we talk about these interesting problems? Nope, just think it's, uh, like you said, it's an interesting thing. I wasn't even aware of it. I'm glad you brought it up and we wanted to let the listeners know about it. So if you folks are out there building applications based upon date and time and all that fun stuff, then you know what you have to look out for. Alrighty, folks. Thank you for listening. Make sure you get your 2038 sorted out and we will catch you, not in 2038, but in the next episode. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. Sarah the Amazing Jackson from the Spec Network helps with production assistance and wraps our final mix. Our theme and ad music is by the national recording artist Blueprint from Weightless Recordings. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.